The contents of this podcast does not represent the opinions of others and is solely the opinions of Harv Aronson based on his experience, knowledge, and research. Welcome to the Total Sports Recall, your source for sports news and topics from a different angle. And now here's your host, Harv Aronson. Welcome to the Total Sports Recall Podcast. This is your host, Harv Aronson, and my guest for this episode is a gentleman who assisted in a big way in helping this podcast get off the ground, an associate of mine who also has his own podcast, of which I've been a guest on several times. He also hails from Western Pennsylvania, like me, and the introduction to my show and the disclaimer that you heard were done by my guest. Our guest is Darren Hayes, who is a lifelong resident of Erie, Pennsylvania, where he grew up watching and playing sports. And while attending Edinburgh University of Pennsylvania, Hayes became a high school football official and worked games wearing stripes for 27 seasons. This endeavor led him to write for some respected football officiating websites specializing in the history of gridiron rules and eventually starting his website and podcast, Pigskin Dispatch, in 2020. Another website of North American sports history, jerseydispatch.com, came a year later, along with yesteryearhub.com. Then he created and co-founded the audio drama Orville Mulligan Sportswriter with Oss Davis. Besides the sites and the podcast, Darren has his first book on the history of gridiron coming out in late 2023. Darren, welcome to the show, and this is a change of pace, you being on my show instead of me being on yours. Yeah, Harv, this is uh, weird being on the other side of the microphone here, so uh, thank you for the invite. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. It's good to have you on, and we'll get the ball rolling by uh, letting you tell our listeners a little more about your website and the subsequent podcast, Pigskin Dispatch. Well, Pigskin Dispatch is, you know, our motto is, you know, it's the portal to positive football history, and, you know, people probably say, you know, what's, what's positive football history? Well, we don't really want to sit there and talk about, you know, the negatives of football. I like to reflect back when I was a kid, and I think, you know, Harv, you and uh, most of the listeners can relate here. When uh, when you were young and your your dads would bring home something from, you know, the beer distributor or, you know, uh, maybe uh, you got a Nerf football or electric football or football cards, it was fun. I mean, you, I mean there's nothing like, it's almost like Christmas morning when you get a pack of football cards when you're a kid and you open it up. And you don't know what's going to be in there. You know the, the stale piece of gum's going to be in there, but yeah. you don't know what you're going to get in those those things. And you go through it and you trade them with your buddies and everything. That's the fun of football that, mm-hmm. as an adult, I try to recapture and emulate and share with the listeners and the readers of Pigskin Dispatch. So that's sort of what we're trying to do and honoring uh, the legends of the game and the great games and teams and coaches and people associated with the game of football. Yeah, and one of my guests recently, um, uh, Charles Slavic. We were—he's about our age as well—and we reflect all the time. And we're all—we—he's been on twice, and we've both talked about how growing up in the '70s, '80s was just the best decades ever to grow up in. Uh, and you mentioned some of the collectibles. For some reason, it popped in my head, but the old Sunoco football stickers. Do you remember those? Uh, I don't know to, if we had those up here. Like yeah, my, my parents to... my parents went got gas at Arco, so we, we got okay. the little <laughs> Noah's Ark animals. We didn't get the sticker. <laughs> For a while, you could go, you could buy this book, and every time you go to get gas at Sunoco, they would give you a player's sticker, and it goes in the book under whatever team they play for on their page, and you stick it in there, and it gives you their position, their school, and it was pretty cool. So yeah, when you talk about things like the trading cards and stuff like that, yeah, there was a, we had a lot of fun stuff back then, absolutely. So, as you mentioned, your and as I mentioned in your bio, um, tell us about JerseyDispatch.com. 
Well, Jersey Dispatch sort of came uh, about a year after the origination of Pigskin Dispatch. We, we ran a special on Pigskin Dispatch where we took all uh, 100 jersey numbers of NF- the NFL and a pro football, I guess should say, not just the NFL. And I had guests on for, you know, from, from the time it was, we started the day after the Super Bowl and ended it like the second week of the next season in 2020. And we brought in, you know, guests and we talked about who was the, the greatest players of war number five. And we mm. sit there and we talk about them and just have a great conversation about them with a guest. And we went through every single jersey number. It was the most popular and it still is the most popular pages on the site. Uh, the podcast we did subsequent to it, those were you know, great numbers on that. People loved it. So, and people would write into me and call me and say, Hey, you know, can you do this for baseball? Can you do this for hockey? Mm. So Jersey, it's not new Jersey that it's about. It's about the jerseys that the uniforms that the players wear. And we try to uh, capture the legends in the game and talk about them for the the four major sports of North America, uh, including the NFL and football on that site too. Uh, talk about jersey numbers and sort of dedicated to that it's centered around the jersey numbers and to think that back in history there was a time where they didn't have any jersey numbers the players just came out with just plain old uniforms um, that's true so, yeah numbers uh, have made the game very cool and speaking of numbers actually it made me think of another thought that uh, charles and i were talking about debating with number 21 and whether or not that number should be retired throughout all of baseball the same way Jackie Robinson did. And he said there is a push that they're trying to get Roberto's number retired across baseball, Um, but there's some pushback on that. And basically Charles was reading that some of that pushback is because they don't want Jackie Robinson to be overshadowed by his being the only number that's retired, which I I find kind of silly. I mean – there's no reason why you should only have one number retired, especially when you have somebody like Roberto Clemente. What do you think? Well, I I sort of go the other way. I mean, I think that the numbers should be honored and, uh, you know, held in high esteem, hung up in the stadiums, put on placards, statues, you know, everything like that and be honored. But eventually, I mean, think about a hundred years from now, what are we going to do uh, as we have all these great athletes and teams are retiring the numbers. I mean, what are the New York Yankees going to wear? Are they going to wear, you know, I don't know. They have to wear like uh, shapes or something to, to do it because they have so many numbers that are retired. Uh, I almost yeah. like sort of what the Steelers do. You you honor that number for a long time. And maybe if it's a really special mm-hmm. player, which I think they only have two numbers retired now after retiring Franco's uh, last year, is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that that's, I think, the way to do it. But you don't see a number 12 out there. You don't see a number 58 on the Steelers for the last you know, 40 years. They, they, but, the, but they're not retired. You know, they're, they're honored. Yeah. And I think someday we may see some of those out, maybe after you and I are gone and people don't remember those players anymore. But uh, I think that's the right way to do it. Yeah, and it is a good point because if you think about it, with all the fantastic baseball players that have been over the years, how do you really debate on whose number should not ever be worn again. I mean, Clemente was a great player, but you could go on forever naming great players as well that, you know, might have that same argument. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how, how that leads out. You know, I know there's people still pushing for it. Uh, I'm not aware of the audio drama Orville Mulligan, so that came as a little bit surprising when I found out about that. Give us the goods on that one. Well, 
Oz Davis, you know, who is on Sports History Network as well, like you and I are, he he's has a, a few different podcasts out there. He's he's got a very creative guy, has uh, some very interesting things. He lives out in California, has uh, lived all over the world. Well, him and I were talking one day after doing a podcast, and I, I said, you know what? I said I have this idea. I said I'm going to get sports history in another manner. We, we can talk about it on podcasts. We can write about it in blogs. We can, you know, talk about nausea, but having a different avenue, a medium avenue to talk about great sports history. I said, I'd, I said, I've got this, like to create this character. So we created this character, Orville Mulligan, and he is a sports writer in Pittsburgh in 19, in the 1920s. And we picked the 1924 season the fall of 1924 because of all the specialness to it uh mm. the world series went to a game seven uh there you know you had the four horsemen in Notre dame you had ernie nevers uh playing for stanford uh you just had all these great things you had gangsters you had uh prohibition yeah. uh you know all kinds of different things going on outside the sports world and a lot of gambling and you know, nefarious type of activities. Mm-hmm. So we took our fictitious character and put them in these actual sporting events. That's what each huh. uh, episode is about. And sort of, you know, we, we play through there with some fictitious characters meeting, you know, talking to Babe Ruth, talking to Red Grange, wow. uh, you know, we have uh, we take him up to Chicago, and he's because he's a newspaper reporter, so he's on assignment, and he's covering the the Illinois game with Red Grange playing the University of Chicago Amos Alonzo wow. Stag on yeah. Saturday, and on Sunday we have and these are actual dates, you know, we pick mm-hmm. dates, actual games. The Chicago Cardinals are playing. I think uh, I forget who they're playing that day, but we have that game covered too, and we take play by plays from the game and sections of it. Oh, and because wow. you know it's before radio was popular but you know radio is just coming up but we we fictitiously put in a play-by-play to so people are learning about that game and those players and learning something about sports history just another way to learn about it it's kind of interesting That's, that is cool and, and those were done on a podcast they're, they're done as an audio drama we have audio hired okay. actors professional actors which really? are phenomenal um, wow. And yeah, you, we have a website, orvilmulligan.com, where all our podcasts are. They're also on Sports History Network and on every podcast provider, Orville Mulligan. I'm going to have to go listen to that. That sounds really, really cool. So, well, I graduated from a sister state cool as you did. Slippery Rock was my alma mater. Slippery Rock University of Pennsylvania now it was known as State College when I graduated in 1982. Uh, and you graduated from Edinburgh, a constant opponent of the rock in football and other sports. I still follow Slippery Rock football very closely. In fact, they're number six in the nation as of this broadcast and undefeated. Do you have any ongoing connections with Edinburgh in any fashion? Well, I just went to their game this past Saturday. My uh, youngest daughter is attending another university in Erie. Edinburgh is about 15 miles south of Erie. And I grew up in Edinburgh. That's my parents still live there and uh my daughter's attending gannon and edinburgh was at gannon there because gannon joined the PSAC too so mm-hmm. which slippery rock and edinburgh both in and uh yeah. so we got to go there and watch and uh watched edinburgh go down to to gannon which uh my daughter made sure she let me know about that and her friends that we were sitting <laughs> there with so <laughs> so edinburgh's not a Who very won? good program anymore oh gannon gannon beat them pretty bad yeah did they, they got them yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Last weekend, uh, Pittsburgh was playing. Um, Pittsburgh. Slippery Rock was playing uh, Mercyhurst College, and another early school. <laughs> oh my god! They put a seventy-five spot on them. I was like, it was seventy-five to twenty. I was like, what? Oh my gosh! 
But the problem with Slippery Rock is they get to postseason every year. They might get two rounds in, and then they end up losing. Ferris State usually is the one that beats them. Uh, there's a couple of other small schools. I'm hoping this will be the year, but we'll see. Uh, so while we're on topic of football, you spent 27 years refereeing high school football. That's a long time, and that's, that's pretty impressive. Uh, why did you not try to progress to a higher level, like college refereeing, Darren? Well, I, I had the opportunities to, but Erie, we don't have a, a big Division One or Division. We have Division Two schools. You know, we just talked about Mercer, Scan, and Edinburgh. We have uh, a, a Penn State affiliate, Barron, uh, which is Division mm-hmm. Three. They don't have football, but they play basketball and other sports. They, but uh, to have a, a chapter, you have to have a, a little bit more. Uh, Bigger, bigger schools. So we would have had to join a Pittsburgh area chapter, mm-hmm. and it's the same time as high school football season. Mm-hmm. Then there's guys that did it, but you're going down to Pittsburgh once a week uh, from August through December, basically. You're traveling to games. Uh, you know, you're, they want you there like 24 hours on some games before game time, and they, 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 the Pittsburgh chapter at the time when I could have done it. You're a lot of stuff out on the East Coast. Uh, you know, you're so you're driving ten, twelve hours sometimes, and it's just a lot of traveling. And I had my children were all small, so I kept just st- stayed in the high school circuit, and did the Saturday games, you know, JV games and varsity games, and did did you know quite a few games every year, like forty to fifty ball games every single season. I did I worked. Yeah, oh, we all know how referees can be the brunt of you know you've made a bad call, you know, and they get stuff thrown at them yelled at do you ever experience anything like that oh yeah that's that's part of the nature of it I, I've been, but you it's actually kind of enjoyable if you as long as you are doing your job and you're doing the best you can i mean mm-hmm. the, the first game that anybody goes out and works a perfect game as an official it, it, it'll be a miracle because there's nobody does it we're all human we all make mistakes right. but the same thing the, the coaches know that and a lot of times you'll see you know some of the coaches end up being some some close friends of mine i still really? visit with them talk with them and uh oh, wow. you know but you look out on the football field and you think you know you're mortal enemies but uh it's, yeah. it's all part of it and like i always told younger officials when i would be mentoring them hey, you know high school football officials a lot of them are at the schools not because they're a great history teacher or they teach English. It's because they're a great football coach. And if they're not winning games, that's their livelihood. They're losing their job. This yeah. is a part-time gig for guys in stripes at yeah. high school level. And Absolutely. You know, so they got a lot more on the line than them. So they, they do need to get upset. That's part of their job. they got to you know argue the calls and try to work the system best they can. When so, was the last year you refed? Uh, 2016 was the last I worked, okay. the, I worked the Eastern Final. Oh, very cool. So, yeah. And I don't think high school had the advantage of uh, instant replays, right? We don't. They don't do that in high school. No, right? no. The yeah, uh, well, I did. I did go to a game last weekend, two weekends ago, and I saw that the they are allowed to have TV sets down on so the players can look at on the sideline. Oh, wow. They have coaches go under. They had a little tent, and uh, they're going underneath there and watching video during the game, which you know you're, that was taboo. You're never allowed to have electronic devices on the side yeah. except the, a headset. You know, but I officiated. So it's changed. Uh, uh, yeah, something like Bill Belichick, right? <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> In New York Jets. <laughs> right. Uh, well, like myself, you're a member of the Sports History Network. Uh, how long have you been a member, and what do you see as the benefits of this network in case there are any podcasts out there that might be interested in joining? Well, when I joined the Sports History Network, it was probably about two months old. Uh, it was wow. in the summer of 2020, and there was 
maybe three or four podcasts on it. There was Arnie and Joe Ziemba, Joe Zagorski, I think were the only ones on there at the time. Wow. And I, I wasn't a podcaster. I had a website, Pigskin Dispatch. Yeah. And I saw this Sports History Network, and I, so I called Arnie Chapman, who was the, mm-hmm. the founder and still mm-hmm. the uh, head got honcho at the Sports History Network. I yeah. called him up and started talking. We had a conversation one afternoon, and he ended up talking to me. He goes, why don't you do a podcast? You know, if you have this website, why don't you do a podcast? I'm like, I, I really don't, I don't know how to do podcasts. Yeah. And then he's like, he's like, yeah, you got to do it. And I said, I said, well, you know, if I did podcasts, I'd have to do one every single day. And he was doing all the editing out of everybody. Yeah. He's like, well, I can't handle it doing it every day. I said, well, I can figure out how to edit myself. He's like, mm-hmm. he goes, are you crazy that you want to do a podcast every single day about football? I said, uh-huh. I said, that's the only way I would do it. Well, yeah. Uh, probably uh, maybe regretted doing that, but we had three straight years of doing a brand new podcast every single day mm-hmm. on Pigskin Dispatch. So, Wow. And sometimes well, we did two or three if, when we were doing you know, bonus editions. So we had a lot of podcasts. That's insanity. <laughs> yeah. Sports History Network, though, has been a great experience. Mm-hmm. Got you know some of my you know, great friends, you know, Arnie, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Joe Ziemba, Oz Davis, you know, these guys yeah. are great. Uh, Jeremy McFarland. And, you know, there's countless other guys around there. We, we just talk, we network together. And now, you know, you you coming in and, you know, some of the other guys, uh, just uh, John Davis's of the world. I still, you know, we, I just had a conversation with John the other day. Mm-hmm. And he's not even actively doing podcasts now, but we're just all friends and we love, you know, there's a lot of guys doing football and stuff. We get under just, you know, shoot the baloney a little bit. Uh, off yeah. the air and just because we're friends we look we have a common interest in sports history network is that common bond yeah and arnie's gonna be coming on in a few weeks here so he'll be a guest as well on the show and i owe him a lot of gratitude because he's like yourself you helped me a lot he's helped me tremendously uh, all the equipment i have i owe to arnie for leading the way on what to buy and everything and it's it's worked out really well um and it, i think this is one of the best things i've done because coming out of slippery rock i wanted to be a sports broadcaster and that didn't work out i didn't pursue it the way i should have and it just became a distant dream and so here i am 40 years later and i got my own podcast it's like <laughs> the dream finally came true but uh it's it's a lot of fun and the sports history network i owe them a lot of gratitude for getting me here so and yourself as well so i yeah. thank you guys for that yeah um, it's, it's it's growing and we, we've actually mm-hmm. got some of our other friends you know bob swick just brought his podcast yeah. over yeah. uh ken uh-huh. crippen football learning academy wow. just started up recently uh the george bazika the head man uh-huh. of the pfra has the pfra official podcast so a lot of these you know bigger establishments are coming in and, and coming on sports history network as well so it's really a nice uh, rounded family coming up yeah, well, our listeners definitely need to check out the network, and uh, if there's any podcasters out there, think about joining. I think Arnie told me the other day there was 37, I think he had now, 37 podcasts. So he's gone from yeah. two that you guys originally started with, he's up to 37. That's a pretty good growth certainly is. in less than three years. Uh, well, as far as your stuff goes, do you have any long-term goals for Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch? Well, but we're sort of uh, we're in sort of phase two. I, I had a sort of a five year plan of things I wanted to accomplish. 
basically with Pigskin Dispatch. I, I didn't realize Jersey Dispatch and Orville Mulligan were going to come along uh, the ride. Yeah. But uh, you know, we, one thing is we wanted to make sure we have something new coming up on our website, our front page every single day. And we did that. That's that's what those podcasts were doing and everything. Uh, we, right now, I think today we had eight uh, different articles pop up for the, the, most of them pertaining to the, the day of the year football history every single day of the year and you know wow. we do that because people say well how can you do that football is only played three or four months of the year how can you yeah. do that well we go into the hall of famers and talk about their birthdays mm-hmm. and their careers through that and celebrate uh, something every single day in football history maybe we're talking about uh, you know a college team and their program and the history mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's a coach or you know having a guest on that, that has a, a great uh, subject or a book that's out and uh, so we do a lot of that too so we celebrate every single day for football. Well, you know, people in the media will tell you, and they've said it over and over again, that football is 365 because when the football season ends, you're in February already, and the combines are coming up in, like, March and April. Then you got the draft. Then you got training camp, uh, OTAs. And before you know it, you're back in the season again. So it's a year-round thing for sure. Uh, and – as we're sitting here doing a podcast and you're a veteran of conducting and producing podcasts, I would like you to give some advice to anybody out there that might be listening that wants to start one for themselves. Well, podcasting can be, and is, you know, I'm sure you know, Harv, just from probably Arnie's advice, you can actually start a podcast with very little money up front. I think I, I started with like a $20 microphone I bought on Amazon and just my computer I had at home. And I've got, I, I still use, uh, you know, free software for my editing. I use Audacity, which is free to download and it's, mm-hmm. it works mm-hmm. fine. I've done, you know, like I said, 1600 different podcasts on it and uh, some audio wow. dramas and everything on it. Uh, you know, Zoom, you can use a free version of Zoom or, uh, you know, Riverside like you're using. And there's, uh, you know, other ones you can Skype. You know, there's a lot of different uh, platforms you can record on or just do it on a telephone. Uh, people yeah. have done that, too. I've done I've recorded them off the telephone before, mm-hmm. too. So it's a lot of things you can do to, that you have already in your house. And maybe mm-hmm. you can buy for less than, you know. Thirty, forty dollars, and have some good equipment. And as you get more experienced and you know what you want, buy some better equipment. Buy you know some mic stands and you know the everything like that, and some maybe a bigger monitor or whatever. And uh, just learn how to do it. And uh, mm-hmm. you know it's a great thing. And you join something like you know Sports History Network. You have thirty-seven people that'll help you and make yeah. you, you know bring Absolutely. all their advice and everything and you got somebody you can always you know a, a brother or sister in the the podcasting world you can call up and say hey i got this problem how do you do it and somebody's right there yeah. to help you out so it's yeah. a good, that's and a I great mean, thing those, about being sports history network absolutely for those who love to talk sports you know it's a it's a great thing you know if you're a, a passionate sports fan like ourselves um this is a great venue for for doing that um and it's just a lot of fun but um the one thing that we we've got to talk about because we're both huge Pittsburgh sports fans is the current state of the Steelers. So we'll get a little bit Steeler talk here um, because Matt Canada is the hot topic, obviously. Um, the chance of fire Matt Canada ringing out through the stadium and the offense is really so pathetic right now not um, just the stadium it was at the pens game the other night too. yeah are you serious <laughs> yeah. no way oh my gosh so 
I mean, there's there's signs. I mean, I listen to, uh, and you talk about doing daily podcasts, um, Locked on Steelers. I don't know if you've heard that yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I listen but to that quite a bit. I, I listen to every day on the way to work. Um, I never miss it. Yeah, I and always listen so, to Chris. <laughs> yeah, Chris is cool. I mean, and so, I mean, they're repeatedly uh, talking about Kenny Pickett um, and whether he's the real deal. Is this a, a, a thing of – Matt Canada not knowing what he's doing, not calling right plays. Is it Kenny Pickett's talent? I think the kid's talented. Um, I've been saying over and over again that I don't think it's entirely Matt Canada's fault because you do have to execute. But I think when the season ends, he's he's going to be gone. I mean, you can do more with this offense than what's going on right now. Your thoughts on that? I, I'm sort of mixed about it. It sounds like you are too. I mean, for, yeah. first of all, let, let's talk about it. When you have linemen that aren't uh, meeting their responsibilities, and I think it's th- – this group, it's the same thing that happened last year. They're trying to do zone blocking the beginning of the year. They're not mm-hmm. getting out there to their, their guys that they got to reach. The zones aren't getting blocked. I mean, when they played Baltimore in the last game, you, know, you had two of the best inside linebackers in the game are running free without you know getting a hat on them. And they're mm-hmm. trying to run Najee Harris up the you know first and second down. Let's hey let's run them up mm-hmm. the A back gap and B gap. And Roquan Smith and Queenie are sitting there, and hit, you know, mm-hmm. licking their chops and just you know pelting poor Najee as he's trying to go through the hole. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're, the imagination of the offense is not there. I blame that on Canada. I think uh, games like when they played the, the Raiders, they got away from the zone blocking and they started to run double teams and they're. You're pulling guards and things like that, like we're used to watching the Steelers do, you know. And yeah. uh, they, they had some better success at running the ball. And But they went back, you know, playing Baltimore, trying to do that zone blocking again until the, the third, late in the third quarter, I think fourth quarter, they started doing a couple double teams and stuff I saw. But the other thing is the Ravens are the first team this year that wanted to go man-on-man on, you know, every single play. And single coverage on on uh, Pickens, you know, Pickett had a target and Pickett had a great day. And I think that's part of the reason because everybody was has a lot of tape on Kenny Pickett from last year. And they know he's not real good against the zone. He sort of freezes up and they do some things that uh, he's not comfortable with. And he, it shows. We're in the preseason. Everything was vanilla. Everybody's playing right. man. And he had a great preseason. He looked like, you know, uh, you know, yeah. Joe Montana reincarnated, you know. So yeah. I think that's everybody. The, that's yeah, part of it. Everybody think, jumped the gun on that one. <laughs> they all thought, oh, this great preseason. Oh, man, we're going to cruise this season. I, I did, too. I went to training camp, <laughs> yeah, and I so saw I saw it firsthand. I'm like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. What happened here? Yeah. But I yeah. think they're going to be a lot like last year. Uh-huh. You know, they, they're going to have their bye week. Comes at a good time. They're going to get people healthy. Mm-hmm. Deontay Johnson coming back in coming offense back. is going to be a great thing. Huge. Uh, uh, you know, they, they played – think about when they played Baltimore. They had three starting starters on the offensive line not playing in that game. And right. they won the game against a premier team. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't pretty by any means. Uh, no. But I think the offense <laughs> is going to come along like they sort of like they did last year. Kenny's going to get more comfortable. They're going to figure out the you know there's a couple new components to that offensive line. And now Broderick Jones might be a, a staple at that left tackle. He might have cemented himself because he had a really good game against uh, Baltimore. Yeah. 
and they're going to start to gel a little bit and complement the defense because defense can't hang on like that, uh, you know, being out there for 60 plays a game and no. performing the way they have. But they've been mm-hmm. phenomenal. That's uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, T.J. Watt is just – he's in another world. I mean, this guy, he's got to be the defensive player of the year if he finishes the year. I mean, it's just – he's just playing out of his mind. Uh, it's unreal. But, uh, yeah, Chris Chris is talking on Locked, uh, Locked on Steelers, talking a lot about um, the, the rookie. So, Broderick Jones and how – they were talking today about how strong this kid is. They said if he starts learning the game better, his strength is incredible. Uh, so uh, I, I like that pick when they made that one. Um, so on Twitter, I was I sent out a few messages today because there's now a lot, there's old buzz about the secondary, and there's a lot of fans out there crying for a new secondary person. I said, I think all you need to do is start, and I got some of this from Chris uh, on that show, on that podcast, but I think Joy Porter Jr.'s got to start. And then they, they were talking about how um, – uh, what's his name now? Thirty-nine. My mind just went. Minka. Blank. Minka. <laughs> I can't believe mm-hmm. I couldn't think of his name. But they're saying let Minka play center field and get Joey Porter in their corner, and that will improve the secondary. I don't think they need to find anybody else. What about you? What do you think? Well, I think I don't know if the, and I don't think they're going to put Porter starting right away. I don't think when they come back from the bye week, Porter's mm-hmm. going to be a starter, but I think he's going to be involved more earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, he got a lot more snaps against Baltimore than he yeah. had any previous game mm-hmm. he, before. He was just playing relegated, just playing dime and you know mm-hmm. long coverage, pa- obvious passing situations. I think they're going to try to immerse him more into that defense and mm-hmm. give you know Patrick Peterson some some snaps, you know, take a rest and give Levi Wallace a breather, you know, here and there wherever they can move move guys around because they've got a lot of talent in that second. If you think, I mean, they've got three starting safeties. Yeah. They've got mm-hmm. probably you know at least three cornerbacks who could start if you count Porter mm-hmm. into that mix. And uh, yeah. they got a lot of talent. And you can mix people around. And but I agree with Chris. Let let's get uh, Minka out of the box. They have mm-hmm. you know they have some. The other two safeties are pretty good hitters. Let them come down and play the box more. Let Minka play yeah. center field. Let them ball hawk. Let them get the picks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that'll help things. But Porter. At least bring him in like nickel and dime situations. You know, you bring him in nickel, so he's now he's got to tackle on some, you know, with some running plays and things like that. That's going to get him more engaged. You, you don't have to throw him into the fire and do it. We, you know, let him let him learn the game. And I, I think that's what they did with Broderick Jones. I think that's what they're doing. Well, with, with Cam Hayward getting hurt, uh, you know, was it Benton? They had to start him on a defense line, but he's shining, yeah. you know, like a, a star. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, but let let him get. You remember, T.J. Watt didn't start his first year. You had James Harrison right. playing in front mm-hmm. of him, and look how that worked out. So I think, yeah, and Highsmith didn't start. You know, so mm-hmm. you had Bud Dupree. So let him learn behind the veterans, ease their way into the game. College games a lot different than a pro game, and they'll be they'll get there by next year. He'll be a starter. Oh yeah, and Highsmith, man, he came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, he's he's <laughs> racking up the sack totals, and I was like, "Wow, where'd this guy come from?" Unreal. Yeah, uh, seven but, seven quarterback pressures against the Ravens. I mean, sit wow. and think about that for a second. That's, that's by one man. That's a game that's record. Crazy. You know? 
Uh, those two together, I'm telling you, that, that's a nightmare for some other teams. Their offenses, those two guys out there. Uh, I made a comment today on Twitter saying Apple doesn't fall far from the tree because apparently I was reading about how Joey Porter Jr. was talking trash after the interception. <laughs> and they were saying it's just like his father. He's just getting in people's faces and talking trash. But, but, but uh, Did you hear the whole story on that? I, I guess probably not. I guess Bill Cower told him you got to when you play the Ravens, you got to talk a little trash to the Ravens. Oh no, that's funny. He's telling the youngster this. <laughs> we got an old coach telling him, you know. <laughs> oh, that was Cower, man. Cower had the fire in him. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and so uh, I th- when they drafted Joy Porter Jr., I was like, yes, this is going to be awesome because Pittsburgh is going to love this kid solely based on his father being a Steeler once before yeah. uh, i think he's got a good future ahead of him in pittsburgh yeah thank thankful uh, to the chicago bears for making a poor trade and yeah. playing like crap last year to have give them a good draft pick there <laughs> there was there was an article today about chase claypool he's off chicago now now i find out he's in miami so he kind of talks himself off of that roster um, and, and it is an interesting think about that miami forfeited their draft pick so that made Chicago's pick that they traded the Steelers be number 32, which normally would be in the first round. Yeah. And and now Claypool's at Miami. It's kind of kind of wow. interesting dynamic that happened there. Uh, he's probably a happier character now because Miami is like one of the hot teams. So we'll see. Their offense is just incredible. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how much impact he has over there. Yeah, uh, for sure. Before we move to anything else, any other thoughts on the Steelers? Well, I'm I'm hoping uh, you know T.J. Watt had a, a big injury, in it was mm-hmm. like the first quarter where he dislocated mm-hmm. a finger, tore some ligaments. Yeah, I saw that. But uh, you know he plans on playing, and he had a pretty good game after that. When you finish a game with mm-hmm. you, know, you know that fourth quarter, you have a, a, a scoop and almost score. So the hands not yeah. bother him too much handling the ball, and then you you sack Lamar Jackson on the final play for the Ravens. You know, so I, I think he's going to be all right, and uh, hopefully he gets healthy here with the bye week. Yeah, I couldn't have come at a better time. I mean, like you said, getting Deontay back, letting these guys heal up. I don't know if Frysmith's going to be back in time for that. Um, but once you got Deontay Johnson and Pickens and Frymuth on the field at the same time, that's going to be a beautiful thing. And, and don't forget, you know, Cam Hayward should be coming back soon after right. the bye too. So that would be a big boost. Well, before the season started, I had the Steelers going 12-5. and five. That might be a little optimistic now, but – I think they're going to finish strong. I still think they have an excellent team. Um, and if Kenny Pickett can find his way um, and the offense can start blocking and getting the running game going, we can we can surprise some teams, I think. I, I think you're right. I think, I mean, just think about this number when you're watching the Steelers. If the offense can get to the point putting 25 points up on the board a game, they, they win the game. I, th- mm-hmm. I, I believe that. I think that's their magic number is 25. Yeah. And that's doable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, bottom line for me, though, is I don't think anybody's beaten San Francisco. <laughs> that team is unbelievable. I, yeah. I think they've scored 30 points in every single game so far. Yeah, they're uh, they're they're tough, but the NFL's a, a funny thing. You know, something happening. Christian McCaffrey uh, mm-hmm. twists his ankle or something. You know, they might be a yeah. whole different team. Well, that's true. That's true. And, uh, you know, what they did to Dallas last week, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, Jerry Jones must be going out of his mind. <laughs> But, it, it looked uh, familiar. It looked like week one. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, 
Let's get to two other Pittsburgh sports since we're talking about that. What do you foresee for the Penguins this season? I know um, they made a lot of trades in the offseason, so I don't follow hockey as closely as I do the other two sports, but I'm sure you must. I, I, follow, I don't follow as close as I do football, but uh, I, I do watch, keep an eye on it. I think uh, it's interesting some of the, the the personnel that they added this year. You know, they got a lot of veterans, got a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. all-star caliber uh, to the team. Sure. But they're a little bit long in the tooth, and you know, game one against the Blackhawks, they they're winning in the third period and sort of ran out of gas, and mm-hmm. Chicago scored with their young lineup. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. that's not going to be the scene for the whole season. Uh, you know, the the Graybeards getting a little tired <laughs> in the third mm-hmm. period and letting teams get back in it. Uh, I'm hoping they, you know, their veteran leadership and uh, you know, get, get some going here and they put some teams away. And uh, I think they should have a successful season. I'm I'm thinking they should be in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean they missed last year, so that was kind of a real surprise when I season winding down. I'm like, oh my god, they're going to miss the playoffs. I mean we're not used to that. Uh, Penguins are perennial, um, so hopefully they can return to the postseason this year, uh, and then we'll have the Steelers and the and the Penguins in the playoffs. Hopefully that would be a beautiful thing. The Pirates won't be in any postseason. Oh my gosh, do you think this? <laughs> What does the future hold for Pirates? I mean, I, I don't know. I, uh, I, I I don't know if you were following in the beginning of the year, but in April, oh yeah. they had the best record in baseball uh-huh. at one point, like in eleven games in the season. I'm like, going, oh my god, yeah. you know, they're coming out of nowhere because they weren't that good in uh, the preseason, yeah. and right. then they went on the, with a 15 game losing streak you know, soon yep. after that, and it all fell apart. I don't. Uh, know. I remember I, writing. Writing some articles just saying, you know, they're playing with us because this happens all the time. The Pirates will get off to these fast starts, and then they just fade, fade, fade. Uh, that's a shame because they have such a great history. And, I mean, I was upset when McCutcheon was on the playoff teams years back, and they had such a great team when they made those playoffs three straight years, and they just let everybody go. And, I mean, that's yeah. just like the history of the Pirates. They get these great players, and they let them walk. Well, but I think that's a fundamental issue with with Major League Baseball. I mean, you look at all the other major sports. Yeah, baseball has a salary cap, and I'm going to put air quotes up there because it's really not. There's a slap on the wrist if you go over it. I mean, you can't do that in the NFL. You can't go over on the salary cap in the NFL. You can't go over in the NHL on the salary cap. The NBA, I don't believe you can go over a salary cap. You're restricted to that's what money you have to spend. And when you have these big market teams, you know, New York and Boston and L.A., they can do pretty much whatever they want, get any players they want to do and pay them whatever they want. How are the Pirates and the Kansas City Royals and, uh, you know, some of these smaller teams? I don't know how Cleveland's doing it year after year. I mean, they're, they've they got some, some brilliant people there, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's tough for a small market team to compete year after year when you have these, you know, giants spending lots of money. And, yeah, and that's, that's how George Steinbrenner used to do it when he was running the Yankees. The guy had so much money of his own. Yeah, you know, he was buying his teams. He was always accused of buying his teams, and because he had, he would throw his own money into it. Um, so it's crazy. But uh, hopefully, the Pirates will will find some talent and and make it interesting one of these seasons. Because it's just 
hard to watch now. But the one thing I make a habit of is I always look at baseball box scores and look at the attendance figures. So I'm always checking to see with who's at PNC Park when the Pirates are playing. And they did pretty good at attendance considering the team. But then you look across the American League and in Oakland A's, I, it became a habit of mine this season to go look at their attendance figures because <laughs> it was pathetic on some games. I mean, I saw as little as two or 3,000 fans in their stadium sometimes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it was yeah. really bad. As a matter of fact, they set a record years ago when I um, – this was in the 70s, I think. They had – I think it was 875 fans for a game. <laughs> Never I mean, heard anything but like But even 2,000, our double-A affiliate in Erie draws more than that <laughs> per home game. <laughs> yeah, their attendance was bad. And I thought they were going to break the record for all-time losses this season. And I think they ended up losing 111 or something like 109. But, wow, really bad. <laughs> well, it's been a good conversation, Darren, and I'd like to thank you for joining Total Sports Recall. I look forward to working again with you either on your podcast or maybe on this one or any other projects we can work on together, specifically with our host platform, the Sports History Network. Uh, I want to give you the opportunity to give any closing comments you might have. Well, uh, you know, we got a lot of things going on Sports History Network. You know, I invite you to to go around there. It's like a smorgasbord. You can go into, you know, go on sportshistorynetwork.com, uh, check out all the podcasts are there. They have the icons on the front page that Ernie has on there. You click on them, read a little bit about the hosts, a little bit about the background, and find almost anything you want on any sport in the world. It's really a great platform to, to go, and you'll find some great people, and you'll hook on to somebody that I think you'll enjoy and, and like to follow as uh, one of your favorite podcasts each day. Excellent. Well, for Total Sports Recall, this is your host, Harv Aronson, and next week there will be yet another episode for the show. Actually, this weekend I have a special interview coming up, so be sure to check my Twitter page to find out when that will be posted. This one will be posted very soon. Several sports people have been booked for interviews for the shows and announcement for those can be found on my Twitter page using my handle at TSRHar59. You may also reach me with any comments or suggestions by emailing me at totalsportsrecall at gmail.com. Be sure to visit my YouTube channel, Total Sports Recall, and my website, totalsportsrecall.com. For Darren Hayes, this is Harv Aronson wishing everyone a great week ahead.